0: We're gonna continue in our study in 1 Corinthians, Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. Our text today comes from chapter four and we're gonna read verses 14 through 21. So listen as we read God's word together. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, Be imitators of me. That's why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness? May God add his blessing to the hearers of his word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful uh, during this uh, challenging season that we can gather around your word, that we can read your word publicly uh, and share it with our our church family. Lord, uh, your word will not be contained. Uh, It goes out uh, through all means, and it will not return empty. Lord, we thank you for all those hearers of the word this morning, uh, wherever they may be. Lord, our our hearts go out to the the people of uh, Beirut this morning. Uh, We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ that are there that have been uh, challenged by this, that uh, you would keep them safe, that those who remain would be able to minister uh, to those who are suffering through this uh, great tragedy. And Lord, um, may you be glorified uh, through the people who are ministering in that place. We thank you for the resources that are coming from all over the world to uh, help the people in that state. Lord, we continue to pray for our own people here in our, in our home countries. think of those who are uh, sick. We think of those who've uh, lost ones during this uh, difficult time. But Lord, we are also thankful for for health and safety um, that you've uh, given each one of us. And we pray for your continued blessing over us in our health and uh, in our workplaces. And we pray also for our our church body that you would uh, bless and build us up. Lord, I pray that you would uh, use this time that we would spend together this morning uh, in your service, that that you would use it to um, build up and edify your church. And Lord, may we learn something anew as you illuminate the text this morning and open up our hearts to the teaching from your Holy Spirit. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Well, the theme from our text today is Imitate Me. Dr. Carson wrote in one of his books the following. Do you ever say to a young Christian, do you want to know what Christianity is like? Watch me. If you never do, you're unbiblical. Now, hopefully that jolts you some. Uh, That was no doubt his intention. Living the Christian life is not intended to be in isolation. We're called to bear witness to Christ, to show that we are Christ followers, literally imitators of Christ. How do we best do that? Well, we invite others to watch us, to see Christ reflected in us. Discipleship is about inviting others to observe us, to be taught and mentored by us, and to learn how to live a life in Christ. Now, Paul frequently uh, taught about what it means to be a mentor to others in modeling after Christ. In our text today, he says, I urge you then, be imitators of me, to remind you of my ways in Christ. Later in 1 Corinthians, we will see he says again, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. In Philippians, he writes, brothers, join in imitating me. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. In 2 Thessalonians, he wrote, for you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. And in 2 Timothy, he writes, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and sufferings. Now, Paul takes it a step further in sharing how he saw his role as a parent would have toward a child. Again, in our passage, he says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. In Galatians, he writes, It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And then in 1 Thessalonians, he writes, But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. But then he focuses it even further in describing his relationship with believers as that of a father. Now, to help illustrate some principles of this father-son relationship, I'm going to use three examples from my childhood that I believe you will also be able to relate to. You must be David Pipe's son. Wait till your father gets home. We can do this the easy way or the hard way. Well, you could ask me, what's your dad like? And I could say, well, if you know me, you pretty much know my dad. Uh, First of all, there's the physical characteristics. So here's a picture of four generations of uh, pipe men. Uh, On the far left is Pastor Norman Pipe, the first Dr. Pipe, and then my father David in the middle, and myself, and yes, I didn't always have gray hair, and that's uh, Jesse uh, sitting between us. Now, my father grew up in a small town in Southern Ontario. We'd frequently go back where people would come up to me and say, you must be David Pipe's son. Now, at first blush, uh, that was probably related to how I looked, uh, perhaps compared to when he was uh, the same age as me. But there's another implication of being David Pipe's son. There were some expectations of personality characteristics, even behaviors. People would expect that growing up with him, that I would have modeled those behaviors, good and bad, perhaps. Now, I could also tell you that if you wondered what my three sons are like, well, they're certainly each different in some characteristics and behaviors between them, but they definitely share those with me. Dads, our sons are watching us all the time, from the youngest, most impressionable ages, all the way through into their transitions into adulthood. The characteristics and behaviors that we model for them have lifelong implications. We're never off the clock. They're watching how we react in the good times and the bad, in rejoicing and in heartache, in our successes and in our failures. And ultimately, others will know us by how they know them. Listen to how Paul uses the relationship of a father to other believers. In 1 Thessalonians, he writes, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. In Philemon, he wrote, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. And then in our text again today, he writes, For though you have countless guides in Christ... You do not have many fathers, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now, the word guides that Paul uses in today's text is interesting. It can also be translated as tutors. The Greek word he uses uh, would have been well known to the Corinthians, uh, pedagogos. Uh, From this word, we derive pedagogue, ped for child, uh, agogos for leader. So look at this painting uh, from an ancient Greek vase. So it depicts the teacher on the left teaching the pupil who's in the center. The pedagogue or the guide uh, would be accompanying the child everywhere he'd go. And he's, he's depicted on the far right. He would accompany the child when they would be traveling to and from the home where the byways would often be dangerous. He would also carry the tools that the child would need for his learning. He did have authority from the child's father, and he could correct him. I wonder if that's what the rod in in, in his hand is trying to depict. Um, He could correct him when it was needed, but he still did not have the same authority and responsibility of the father. He might've been a slave in in past eras, um, or later he could have been a paid uh, pedagogue by the father for this task. Now in our text, It said, for though you have countless guides in Christ, now countless can be translated as thousands. So basically what Paul is saying is, you have a whole city of guides in Christ, but you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So there's something deeper to this father-son relationship. Now, Uh, we should take a moment to recap Paul's message to the Corinthians thus far. So first, what's the problem? Division, immorality, idolatry, theological confusion. Now we're just in the early parts of the letter. We've only been hearing about the division among them so far. As we read in chapter one, Paul says, I appeal to you brothers by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it's been reported to me by Chloe's people that there's quarreling among you, my brothers. Paul structures his response as follows. First of all, in chapter one, he gives thanks for them as a church. Then in chapter 2, he reminds them to focus on the wisdom of God. Remember his contrast between the wisdom of God and the so-called wisdom of men, uh, which he says is folly. In chapter 3, he reminds them to work together for God's kingdom. And he uses three analogies. He talks about the church, the people of God's church, as God's temple. He used the analogy of a field. Uh, where one person would plant a seed, another person would water, and then God would cause the growth. All of us working together as fellow workers in God's field. And then he used the analogy of God's building. Uh, This could harken back to the the temple analogy, Uh, but he says in this building, uh, Christ was the cornerstone built on the foundation of the teaching of the apostles. And then each of us, and remember, Pastor used the example of that Lego brick. Each of us is a brick in that building, built up as God's building. Now, after reminding them of what the church looks like and how it's to be working together, he then in chapter four, as we studied last week, he addresses the sin of pride. Then following that, he says in our passage that he sends his son. Now, this was not his physical son, but this was a son in Christ. This was someone that he mentored and discipled and trained up. And he thinks of Timothy of acquiring all those characteristics that he wanted to pass on to him as a father would a son. And he says in verse 17, that's why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. So he's sending Timothy, his son in the faith, because he's modeled himself after Paul, his teaching, his characteristics, his behavior. And in turn, he will point all of them to Christ. Now, listen to how the Welsh minister Matthew Henry describes this kind of modeling in discipleship. This comes from his commentary on 1 Corinthians 4. Now note, this is mid-1600s English. Be you followers of me as I also am of Christ. Follow me as far as I follow Christ. Come up as close as you can to my example in those instances wherein I endeavor to copy after his pattern. Be my disciples as far as I manifest myself to be a faithful minister and disciple of Christ, and no further. I would not have you be my disciples, but his. But I hope I have approved myself a faithful steward of the mysteries of Christ and a faithful servant of my master Christ. So far follow me and tread in my steps. So I should not only want people to see me and say, well, you must be David Pipe's son, or you must attend Clark Cawthorne's church, but rather, in you, I see who Christ is. Now, in our second example, just wait till your father gets home. Well, what's your gut reaction when you hear that? Do you gulp like these little kittens? Do you slink back looking for some place to hide? For some, those words meant a period of wringing of your hands, waiting for dad to come home, and for the hammer to fall. How long am I going to be grounded this time? However, did any of you have this reaction? I recall visiting our grandson in Grand Rapids. Zeke was looking out the window, and then he got really excited, and he started bouncing, and he, he started exclaiming, Daddy's home! I can see him! Well, how do you think Paul would rather have been greeted by the Corinthians. After reading this letter from Paul, how would they be reacting? Well, it was going to depend on those that were looking to Paul as a father, that they were modeling their Christian faith after, versus those who were denigrating his ministry, claiming that they had new truths and that they should have their own personal followers. Continuing in our verses from our text today, he says, some are arrogant As though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom does not consist in talk, but in power. Paul is saying, when I get there, we're going to see what is just talk and what is substance, what is a product of personal pride and what's empowered by the Holy Spirit, by the true gospel of Jesus Christ. In a sense, he's saying, wait till your father gets home. In our third illustration, we can do this the easy way or we can do this the hard way. Verse 21, he says, what do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness? So he can come with a rod. He's speaking in uh, spiritual terms. The rod is the same one that would have been used on sheep to correct them, to get them back in line, to keep them in the fold, not a switch for paddling them on the backside. He can also come with a spirit of gentleness. The goal's the same, restoration to get back on the proper path. Well, wouldn't it be easier just to come and find that you've set things straight by listening to these words of instruction? The easy way, or the hard way. It's up to you. Bill Watterson, who creates Calvin and Hobbes, I think nicely depicts these two sides of parenting. They're looking at the bench. Well, here's Hobbes, but where's Calvin? I don't see him. Where could he have gone? We just turned our backs for a minute. Why didn't he take Hobbes? You stay here in case he comes back. I'll go look for him. Okay. And then the dad says, being a parent is wanting to hug and strangle your kid at the same time. Well, as a father who has lost each of his children at varying times, sometimes at the same time, I can totally relate to this feeling. So there's another important application of what we've studied today. So the father-son relationship that Paul is describing here is modeled to perfection in the father-son relationship between God the Father and Jesus Christ, God the Son. So we're going to use the examples we've used today in Jesus' example. So first, you must be David Pipe's son. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? You still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak in my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. comes from John 14. Wait till your father gets home. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. We can do this the easy way. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord. Because God chose you as the firstfruits to be saved through the sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Or we can do this the hard way. And then I saw a great white throne. And him who was seated on it, from his presence, earth and sky fled away. No place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. and The books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. What are our lessons for today with regards to Paul's call to imitate me? Well, first, our responsibility as fathers. Dads, the time our kids spend with us far exceeds the time the disciples had with Jesus. We are the first Christs that we model for our children. So let's rise to the challenge. And when we fall, which we will at times, let us show them the grace and the redemptive work of Christ in our lives. How about our responsibility as church leaders? Well, the Bible says, be on guard for yourselves and for the flock. We're to shepherd the church. Shepherds are always on the clock. Wolves will come at first opportunity. So let's keep our rod in our hand if necessary, but shepherd first with love in a spirit of gentleness. And when we fall, which we will at times, let us also model the grace and the redemptive work of Christ in our own lives. And then for all of us today, I know we've been talking about fathers and sons, um, but really this applies to all of us uh, in the church as we disciple each other. So for all of us today, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, then you are saying that you are an imitator of Christ. We're directing the whole world to Christ and through him to the Father as Paul writes in Ephesians. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Well, did you catch that last part? Who gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God? Paul in our passage today is calling the Corinthians to imitate me. But do you remember when he was trying to counter their pride, he recounted what it was like to be an apostle from verse 13. And we read last week from chapter four, speaking about his experience as an apostle, he says, we have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Well, to the world, Jesus was just another man, a a radical perhaps, but he was sentenced to the cruelest of deaths, destined to rot with other criminals' bodies in a refuse heap outside the city. Uh, This is the destiny for those that go through crucifixion. This is the epitome of humility. Let's read these uh, words from Philippians chapter two. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, you're calling us today to be imitators of Christ. We thank you for your word. We thank you that the life of Christ has been uh, recorded uh, over these centuries and preserved for us to learn from uh, the teachings of Christ, to, to learn from uh, when he walked on this earth. But we learn also from those who walked with them, who wrote about him, for those that uh, had supernatural experiences and contacts with him as Paul did, who are able to bring this teaching to bear and that we can study this together as your people. But Lord, we're also thankful for the power of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's that power that works through us that allows us to imitate you. Lord, we pray that as fathers, uh, we would rise to the responsibility we have to our children to model Christ. Lord, we pray that as church leaders, that we would always be on guard for the flock and that we would rise to that challenge and be ready to uh, correct, uh, but also to show love uh, with gentleness. And Lord, we um, pray for all of us that we would be imitators of Christ to the world, the people would be watching how we behave. Lord, uh, may you give us the, the confidence in our walk that we could say to someone, do you know what it's like to be a Christian? Watch me. Do you know what it's like to know Christ? Know me. Do you want to know the Father? Know me. You will know Christ. You will know the Father. That's the calling of discipleship. That's the calling of your word. None of that's possible without your saving grace, without the regeneration in our lives, without the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. And Lord, we pray that each of us would go forth this week uh, reminded of this responsibility and uh, help us to walk in a manner that's worthy of that calling. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.